Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. Last week, UK inflation data spooked markets and, along with inflation numbers in the US and Europe, got investors asking whether or not inflation is becoming embedded. So I spoke with my colleague and chief economist, Keith Wade, about why inflation remains stubbornly high, what more can be done to tame it, and what it likely means for the economy and investors. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. Keith, welcome back to the show. Good to hear from you again. Hi, good to, good to be on again, yeah. Okay, um, so we had inflation figures out from the UK. Can you just give us a view of what that inflation reading was? Yes, yeah, sure. I mean, it was quite surprisingly strong. The latest UK inflation print has surprised to the upside. CPI in the year to March stayed in the double-digit range. It's not the news that the Bank of England or the Prime Minister would have wanted. Another upside surprise for the UK. 10.1% uh, was still in double digits. Britain now has Western Europe's highest rate of consumer price inflation. And it was the only country in the region to post double-digit inflation. Quite a bit higher than most people were expecting. Um, the uh, Bank of England, for example, was expecting inflation to fall back to 9.2. So, you know, pretty disappointing, I think, all round. And how did markets react once the news came out? Um, pretty badly, actually, because the uh, fact that inflation came in higher than expected meant that the Bank of England is going to have to do more work and it means that they will probably have to tighten policy more. Now the pressure is on at the Bank of England. Policymakers led by Governor Andrew Bailey had previously expected both pay growth and inflation to cool. Bloomberg Economics has also scrapped its pause forecast. Our team now sees a 25 basis point hike at the next BOE meeting on May the 11th. So we saw interest rate expectations rise that meant that the gilt market sold off. We saw 10-year gilt yields rise quite significantly. Uh, and that also had a bit of a knock-on effect onto the equity markets as well, because investors will realise that people will be keeping more of their money in cash if the Bank of England carries on raising interest rates, which, which is really what the implication of this number is. OK, so you mentioned it was a surprise and people were disappointed. I mean, what is keeping inflation so high in the UK? Yeah, well, it's a good question because, um, you know, some other countries have seen inflation fall more rapidly. One of the things in the UK is that food prices are still very strong, running at just under 20%. So, and everybody's noticing that. Olive oil up 49%, milk up 40%, eggs, cheddar, bread, all up massively. In fact, food prices have risen to a 45-year high of 19%. Even the price of milk has doubled and bread has doubled and basics. I hope I live to see the day when it goes down again. Everything is more expensive, not only the food. Everything is... Uh, the price is up, right? Uh, the other uh, factor, though, is more at the core level of inflation. Uh, if you look at stripping out food and energy, you've got a core rate of inflation of 6.2%. Uh, and that hasn't improved at all this year. In fact, it's got a little bit worse since January. So that's disappointing. And if you look at things like goods prices, for example, core goods prices, 
you know, they were running at just under 6% in March. And, and, and that is disappointing because elsewhere, we're seeing core goods prices come down quite substantially. Do you know any reason why those core prices are staying or sticking so high in the UK compared to other countries? Well, I think one factor could be the pound. Um, I know the pound's been a bit firmer recently, but the lags on these things are quite long. So uh, the weakness of the pound that we saw, um, well, actually going back to September when we had the mini budget um, and the debacle over that, uh, you know, the pound has gradually recovered. But of course, when it falls, particularly against the dollar, uh, a lot of um, goods are priced in dollars. So clothing and footwear, for example. Um, you know, so that could be one of the reasons behind it. Some people have suggested that there's less import competition now um, as a result of a slowdown in trade with Europe. I, I couldn't really verify that. But, uh, but certainly that seems to be where um, we're different from other countries. I mean, service sector inflation has been pretty high almost everywhere. And of course, that's reflecting wages, which are picking up. And some economists are arguing that wages in the UK are actually rising faster than elsewhere. And there is some truth in that. So perhaps the labour market just being a bit tighter than elsewhere could also be another contributory factor to the way that the UK is underperforming on inflation. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website, shorters.com forward slash investor download. We keep mentioning there that UK inflation is a little bit more sticky and higher than elsewhere. Can you just give us a, a view as to how the UK compares to the likes of US, Europe and further abroad? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, US inflation's come down to 5%. Inflation cooled last month to its lowest level in nearly two years, the ninth straight month it's done so. US inflation rose 5% in March compared to a year ago. The price of groceries dropped three-tenths of a percent last month, marking the first decline in that index since September 2020. Although its core rate is a little bit higher than that, it has been improving. Core inflation is still high uh, and it is sticky. So the Fed will have to persist in uh, pushing it down. Why do we need that? Because without price stability, we don't have a sound foundation for growth. Uh, so, you know, US inflation is half what, what the UK inflation rate is. Eurozone inflation is still quite high. While food inflation is high across Europe, the UK seems to be the outlier when it comes to the headline rate. In the UK, prices are still soaring in the double digits, whereas inflation in the Eurozone is coming down much faster at just 6.9%. Elsewhere, though, you're actually seeing quite low inflation. I mean, places like China, inflation's um, dropped very sharply. It's under 2%. China's consumer inflation hit an 18-month low last month. I think today's uh, inflation is overall uh, weaker than our expectation. So you know, quite a mixed picture overall. Um, but inflation tends to be a problem in, in the UK and Europe more than, say, in the US at the moment. So are we beginning to see a splintering of inflation expectations? Uh, a little bit. Um, I mean, here in the UK, uh, the, the concern is that inflation will prove to be much harder to bring down. Uh, the, the, the increase in the core rate is, is telling us that, you know, that part of inflation is not going to improve very quickly. We do see it coming down and there will actually be some better news coming through in the next month or so because we'll see quite a sharp drop in, uh, in utility prices. 
Um, you may well remember the big increase in utility prices about a year ago. So, so that will actually bring the UK down more into line with with Europe um, and to some extent the US. Inflation could could even drop below eight uh, percent in April here. But we really feel that the Bank of England will have to do quite a bit more in order to see inflation improve on a sustainable basis. Is there any particular reason why the US has managed to drive down their inflation to a lot lower levels quite a lot quicker than elsewhere? And and why is Asia and China's inflation level so low? So certainly on the US side, um, they didn't have the same hit from energy that we did. So their inflation rate never went up quite as much. And we're also lagging a little bit behind because of the way that we set energy prices. Um, they're more regulated than in the US. The energy watchdog has reduced the energy price cap to 3,280, effective from the 1st of April. It's currently 4,270. Despite this, bills are still expected to rise by 20% because the government's energy price guarantee, which caps household bills at £2,500 annually, will rise to £3,000. So that means that, you know, that, that drop in inflation that I mentioned, which should be coming in April, you know, the US has already had all that. It's, it's flowed through very quickly. But the US, of course, has not been as dependent on, on gas prices um, as, as we are here. So they avoided a lot of that. Um, I think that that is, is certainly one of the reasons. Uh, I think the other factors, you know, I mentioned the exchange rate, um, you know, the weakness in the pound. There's been a bit of weakness in the euro uh, against the dollar. The dollar has been pretty strong. So that's helped the US. Um, you know, that that's definitely been a factor. Um, I think it's also been argued that maybe there's more competition in the US and companies can't pass on costs quite so easily. But, you know, the evidence that we see is pretty mixed on that. And, you know, as we know, companies have been passing on costs pretty well over in the US. And how comes the likes of Asia and China seem to have escaped this inflation issue? Well, they're on quite a different cycle. Uh, they haven't entirely escaped it. Um, you know, food prices comprise quite a bit of the basket in Asia. So, you know, the, the, the food price inflation that we've been seeing, you know, that's something that they, they're experiencing as well. But it is beginning to, to, to roll off. Uh, economic activity has been weaker, of course, in China. It's only recently that, that China has really begun to pick up in activity. So, um, you know, their inflation rate has, has remained quite subdued. But it could be that with the reopening of the service sector that you do start to see inflation picking up a bit more there. I think the other factor is that there's probably a bit less pent up demand in China than there has been, say, here uh, or in, in the US. Um, so, of course, during the lockdowns, um, you know, there was a lot of support provided to people uh, here in the UK through the furlough scheme or through benefit increases in the US. A lot of that money was saved and then it's been spent as the economies have reopened. There could be a little bit of that effect kind of coming through in China, but there hadn't been the same support during the lockdown. So, you know, there wouldn't be quite that sort of surge in demand, which is you know, playing a big part in, in driving up inflation here in the UK and US. And you see that in the service sector because, you know, the service sector has, has really sort of struggled to reopen, to meet the demand that people have 
Um, you know, they can't get labor. Widespread labor shortages are hampering the U.S. economy, and there's data to back it up. Despite the Fed's latest efforts to cool off the red-hot jobs market, there are still more than 10 million positions vacant, with 1.7 opportunities available for each applicant. Food costs are going up. Um, there's a shortage uh, of almost everything. Choice our ancestors could only dream of. Modern supermarkets have it all. That is, until they don't. Across the country, fruit and veg aisles are increasingly bare. Tesco has joined Aldi, Asda and Morrisons in introducing rationing. You know, that, that, those pressures have been felt most acutely here. Uh, I, I think um, that, that's one of the big differences between the UK, say, and China. Is there any concern, I'm thinking particularly in the UK and perhaps in Europe, that inflation is becoming embedded at all? There's a bit of a concern because the, the problem is that once inflation is high, wage expectations wage expectations rise, and you know that that tends to create these second round effects, which mean that costs rise in the economy and businesses try to pass those costs on, so you get another wave of inflation later on. So there is a concern that. You know, the UK really hasn't been able to get on top of inflation. It is seeing wages accelerate. And, you know, this is why we've probably got to have more of a slowdown in the economy to bring inflation under control. I think, you know, that's certainly something that applies in the US as well. But, you know, the US has been quicker in raising interest rates. You know, um, they're getting interest rates up to five already. And, you know, the UK is, you know, at four and a quarter. The UK has moved more slowly. Okay, as could you mention the uh, interest rates there? I mean, how do you see this all affecting monetary policy? We were at a point where markets were expecting interest rates to start to get cut. Are we now seeing with some of the readings that are coming out lately that it could actually be going the other way for a little bit longer? Markets did start to think about interest rates being cut. That was mainly during the the sort of mini the mini bank crisis that we had. We begin our report with the abrupt closures of three banks in a matter of days that are now sending shockwaves across sectors of the economy and raising concerns about the U.S. banking system. It started last week with Silvergate Capital, a big player in the crypto industry. At the end of the week, those with large deposits in Silicon Valley Bank made big withdrawals based on fears SVB was running out of enough money to cover deposits. The fear fed on itself, and by Friday, the 16th largest bank in the nation could not keep up with the withdrawals. Just two days later, New York state regulators shuttered Signature Bank, another victim of the crypto plunge. Um, and there were concerns about the tightening of credit conditions. That concern seems to have faded quite a lot now after the action that central banks took uh, to, to, to relieve the pressure in the banking system. Um, and effectively bail out the, the banks that failed or prevent any contagion or system, systemic effects breaking through and causing a much bigger downturn in the economy. Now that things are normalizing, people are sort of refocusing on inflation. And as, as we've been talking about, you know, there is this risk that inflation could become entrenched. Market expectations have moved up for interest rates. We do think that the Fed will be raising rates again at their meeting in May. We'll see Bank of England do a similar thing. We still believe that the Fed is getting very close to the end of tightening uh, in its cycle. Um, as I said earlier, it, it has been raising rates quite substantially already, and there are signs that monetary policy is working there in the US. Um, less evidence in the UK 
And now, of course, you know, having seen these numbers, and we also have some quite strong labour market numbers in the UK as well earlier this week, really means that the Bank of England will probably have to raise rates more than once. We may well see them having to raise rates again after May um, and, and, you know, generate more of a slowdown. This was always a risk. We did always wonder whether or not the Bank of England would do this. Um, you know, they, they can basically project whatever inflation rate they expect going forward and say, no, we've done enough. You know, we think inflation will come down to 2%. But to some extent, these numbers that we're seeing at the moment are beginning to put pressure on the bank's credibility. Its ability to forecast inflation is being called into question. Um, and that, you know, could mean that bond markets will start getting jittery and inflation expectations will rise more because people will think the Bank of England is not on top of inflation in the way it should be. So that's a, that's a risk. And, and the, one of the responses to that would be to keep raising interest rates at the short end. Um, but ultimately, you know, they have to generate a slowdown in the economy, even a recession, to get the spare capacity, the looser labour market, that we need to slow down wage growth and, and bring down inflation on a sustainable basis. And there's obviously a lot of people around at the moment that are certainly worrying about interest rates going up, mainly people who, who hold debt and own houses, but there's also concerns among investors. This is a tricky time for investors. You mentioned the bond markets there. Uh, they showed their power last year in the UK especially. Uh, when when we had the uh, mini budget towards the end of the year, um, how should investors be viewing what's going on at the moment? What might the fallout be of uh, this sticky inflation? Well, if it means that central banks have to raise rates further or keep rates higher for longer, you know that is going to keep pressure on markets. Uh, you know, certainly the bond markets themselves are going to see higher yields, and we've seen a bit of that, but. You know, equity markets will be affected by that, partly because, you know, the valuation basis of the market can be undermined by higher yields, but also because what the direction of policy tells you about what's likely to happen in the economy. If the Bank of England and the Fed are having to raise rates by more, then, you know, that would mean that the economy would slow by more and, and corporate profits would be hit. So, you know, this, this has quite a, a, a wide implication for for financial markets um you know both equities and bonds as a result and i suppose just like the rest of us the bank of england and central banks around the world are keeping their fingers crossed that inflation will eventually just naturally come down oh well, well certainly they are and i mean uh, you know many investors are expecting that and, and we still expect inflation to come down um particularly in the us and to some extent in the eurozone We've always, our forecasts have always been relatively cautious about the fall in inflation in the UK. Um, you know, we have felt that it would be very slow. Uh, and, uh, but, but certainly that is the, you know, that is the outlook that, that we expect that inflation will gradually improve. You know, the world economy has slowed down. Um, and, you know, we are seeing signs, you know, for example, in goods prices, I mentioned before, they 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 increased very substantially uh, when the world emerged from the pandemic because of all the bottlenecks that were created and a lot of shortages. But those have now eased considerably. I mean, we look at um, there's an index called the Supply Chain Pressure Index, which measures 
um, you know, responses from companies about delivery times and so on. And that has come right back to normal now. That's sort of back to pre-COVID levels. So it's suggesting that things are normalised. And we, we can all experience this when we order something. We don't have to wait as long as we used to. So that, that's helping bring down the goods prices. So, you know, those, those, those factors are good. We, service sector inflation has always been lagging. So it's always one of the case that, you know, it will carry on rising even once the economy starts to slow because service sector prices are set you know, on a often on an annual basis, and that's why it's so sticky. So, you know, people will will set rents and they'll set that for a year. It won't change, you know, for another year. And if if the economy is weaker, then there's no opportunity for the price setters to do anything about that to change the prices. And so, inflation can can remain, you know, quite sticky as a result. Okay, well, here's hoping that inflation starts to come down naturally without those interest rates having to go up too much further. Uh, Keith Wade, thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroders Podcast at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products, or to adopt any investment strategy. 